0: When you work with Von Segren Designs, you support small businesses throughout the region. Allow Von Segren design to create a custom, fresh, hand burned piece wood for your home or business. You can link up with them at V O N S E G G E R D N E S I One and At V O N S-E-G-G-E-R-N underscore Designs. So check them out on Facebook and Twitter and uh, Instagram as well. Gets a shotgun snap. Final play of the game. Ron waiting for the wideouts to get downfield. Launches the throw down toward the goal line. Going up. Ball tipped in the well air. net. Touchdown. Jordan West to camp. Nebraska wins the game on the final play of the contest. Oh, baby. The throw is Martinez. Now being chased, throws it out A black. Burkhead makes a catch. Sits a tackle. 25 20. 15 10. By Rex Burkhead. Touchdown of rescue. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for joining me here on Church of the Corn presents a saturday morning service so episode number two we're cover just a little bit more of everything in college football um pro football as as the playoffs are coming up so we're going to just kind of expand what we're what we're covering and see how it goes um got i want to talk some bowl games today uh, cup uh, i think i got three of them that i want to talk about today we talked about the playoffs last week um uh, a port transfer portal talk. There's a, been a ton going on as, as the season has ended. Starting to see a lot of movement in uh, college football, which it's, it's the norm. We'll get into that. <clears throat> some winners. Actually, I've got one big winner, and I've got one big loser in the transfer portal thus far. Then I want to go through some coaching hires. I went through my A's last week. I didn't really put a letter grade on these guys, but three guys that I think are, Damn good coaches uh, that got hired on pretty recently. So we'll break that down as well. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. One big thing that happened, unfortunately, in the week since uh, we last did a show was uh, head coach Mike Leach passing. Um, kind of, a, kind of a gut punch. I, I feel like is an understatement there. With um, just his just his touch of the game, and uh, you know the impact he was able to have on not only several universities, but also the amount of kids he was able to really help and uh, get into good positions by getting them into college, different things like that. And you know the dude was quirky as shit, but. I think that's what everybody loved about Leach. That's one thing I loved about Mike Leach was just his completely off-the-wall demeanor. Um, he says a lot of the shit that I think and just don't say it. There, there That was the beautiful part about him was it didn't seem like there were any boundaries, but in a good way. Um, he didn't trash anybody. He just said it as it was and And you know if you haven't gotten a chance to um do yourself a favor and go down the uh YouTube rabbit hole today and check out Mike Leach. I believe it's marriage advice uh the mascot fight from when he was at Washington state and God damn it, I know there's one other one that I'm forgetting that I'm gonna kick myself in the ass for later the fat <coughs> the fat little girlfriend one. That's a great one as well. So, there that could be your 3 if you want to check those out today. Highly recommend it. Just a great way to remember, you know, Coach Leach before he passed away. Really uh really tragic. I remember seeing something pop up on Twitter that it was a personal matter and man, it it really transpired quickly, but one big thing I did want to get into with with the Mike Leach passing is um his coaching tree, his coaching tree is phenomenal. And I did not realize he had as many guys that were former coaches of him that, that went to other spots. So I'm going to go through them with you. So we got Mike Leach directly off Mike Leach. We've got Dave Aranda defensive coordinator from LSU at the time, Um, but not, so we got Dave Aranda. We got Sonny Dykes, Tony Franklin, Mark Mangino, Art Bryles. Uh, also, Robert Anai and Seth Luttrell. And then off of Art Briles came Philip Montgomery and Dino Babers. That is incredible. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten either head coaches or offensive coordinators uh, came from Leach. Now, here's some players that played under Leach that made it to some sort of coaching rank. So you got Mike Leach. You got Neil Brown, Graham Harrell, Wes Welker, Josh Heupel, Sonny Cumbie, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, Dana Holgerson. Under Holgerson came James Spitval, uh, Spitebol, Um, Under Kingsbury, Lincoln Riley and Eric Morris. To me, that's the sign of a phenomenal head coach is when you've got guys underneath you that are now offensive coordinators, head coaches you know, his coaching tree, it's, it's, it's very impressive. Just what he was able to do with a system that most of us didn't think could work anywhere. It's, it's the air raid system. It's a very specific kind of quarterback, a specific kind of wide receiver, specific kind of offense lineman. You need a, it's pretty specific guys for that system, but we've seen the air raid be incorporated at every level. It's very apparent in the NFL. It's very apparent all over the place in college football. Now, the air raid is is mixed with the spread. And depending on the kind of quarterback you got, you may not throw it 70 times a game, but a lot of guys are throwing it 35. It's pretty common. So his his reach on the game is absolutely incredible. Um, He's going to be missed as not only a head coach, but as a man obviously with with the family and and the amount of people he's touched over the years you feel terrible for them so it, it's it's super unfortunate but you know he he was able to change the game and and to be entered into the hall of fame I know there's a rule going on or a they have a rule about a certain winning percentage having to be allowed you got to waive that you got to get leach into the hall of fame so Phenomenal coach. Want to give um wanted to give some kudos to, you know, Mike Leach and some of my favorite memories of him. So let's switch to, from a somber note to a little bit more of a happy note or something that everybody's at least gonna be wanting to see. I got some bowl games here. <clears throat> I picked three this week as well, kind of like I did last week. Well, four last week with the playoff games. But I uh, I wanted to go through some matchups I'm pretty excited about. The first one I've got is the Holiday Bowl, which is going to be December 28th at 8 p.m. It's between Oregon and North Carolina. Now, the last time we've seen Oregon, not great. I'm going to break that down in a second. The last time we've seen North Carolina, uh, not great. I Here's what I do like. I do like the matchup. Between Oregon, who's 9-3, and three, and North Carolina, that's 9-4. and four. At namesake alone, it, it's an explosive matchup. But I got a lot of concerns this on both sides. Maybe concern's not the correct one. But at least very, very curious about what I'm going to get. And especially with Oregon. And how they looked in the Oregon State game. It looked like a tale of two different halves for Oregon. In the first half, Oregon was able to really kind of do whatever they wanted to do uh, offensively. And you could tell that Bo Nix was in a great groove. And he was slinging and he was wheeling and dealing. But it seemed like something happened at halftime. And I'm not exactly sure w- what it was. Because after... After halftime, Oregon State really started heating up Knicks uh, and was able to really run the ball at will. And I'm not talking about three-yard runs. I'm talking these guys were going down the field for 20 and 30 yards at a time. I mean, Oregon really got out physical. You didn't see that under Cristobal. And I'm not going to compare landing to Cristobal because it's not Not really fair at this point, but it's been a while since I've really seen Oregon get out physical and pushed around, and especially by a rival. Um, Oregon State beat the hell out of Oregon, and that's why they won the game. They really imposed their will, and they look damn good doing it. They look comfortable doing it. Um, The one thing that Oregon's not going to have to worry about is getting out physical by North Carolina. Tr- traditionally, not a overly physical team, but a team that can move the ball explosively when, when they've got the guys, Um, you know, they do it. They had a, a great passing attack this year with Drake may, uh, who is, I believe on the Heisman semi list, top 10, a lot of people had him there. He had a pretty damn good year. Let's not forget he's a freshman. For 4,115 yards, 35 touchdowns, and 7 interceptions. Pretty damn good. But it seemed like the offense really hit a wall, and they hit a wall in November. Traditionally, when you want to play the best ball. But they hit a wall starting on the 19th of November, against Georgia Tech, and it just seemed like the rest of the year the team was never able to close the deal. So, in in his his lowest QBR, his quarterback rating in a win was 76.5 against Georgia State. His highest QBR quarterback rating in a loss was 68.8 against Clemson. Which was a thirty nine to ten loss and not, not a great game for him. So there's a big difference between good Drake May and bad Drake May. And when you get bad Drake May or anything I below a seventy QBR, you're losing that game based on the numbers. Um, like I said, his lowest QBR in a win was seventy six point five, which is damn good. So you need him to be at least 75 or better in IQBR to win. Um, you know, Bo Nix had a phenomenal year under uh, Dillingham as well. He was able to really look comfortable in that system for for the majority of the year. Uh, Dillingham gone. I believe Nix gone as well. Uh, I, I think he's going to play in the game, but and, and next year is what I'm referring to. I feel like this game is really going to come down to, can the Oregon defense be physical against the North Carolina offense? Will they be able to heat up Drake may and force him into some bad decisions? Um, Oregon, I believe was fighting some injuries as well, but who isn't this time of year? Um, it's going to be really interesting to see the, the strength versus the speed. Uh, finesse versus power. I think that's kind of what this game matches up to be. Um, so it'll be a hell of a uh, December 28th viewing, 8 p.m. Next one, one of my favorites because of one of the coaches that's that's coaching in it. Um, Texas Tech versus Ole Miss. The Tax Act Texas Bowl, which is also going to be on the 28th. This one's gonna be at 9 p.m. So you'd be able to have to you have to flip back and forth between the the this game and the previous game. <clears throat> we all know how big of a fan I am of Lane Kiffin. I was so hopeful that we could get him to Lincoln, Nebraska. Really was. But he signed a fat deal down there in uh Mississippi. So good on him. He got paid. Uh, I was trying to lead the Lane to Lincoln train. Just didn't work, unfortunately. But one good thing about that is I still get to watch that awesome kick-ass offense when it's humming uh, from afar, and I don't have to worry about it being in the Big Ten. So that's a good thing. It's a fun offense to watch when when you've got a guy at the helm that you really trust. I don't know if Lane really trusts Jackson Dart. Uh, like he did Corral. But with that being said, you're looking at a multi-year starter versus a first-year starter. Um, Dart has not looked comfortable all season, uh, especially when he started really getting knocked around. But, uh, and, and when that run game wasn't humming, that offense didn't look great. It's a spread offense based on the run. but, even sometimes when the run game was going, passing game still wasn't there. So you got to wonder uh, if Dart's going to look a little bit more comfortable going into the bowl game, having those extra practices and what it'll look like next season. But um, with Ole Miss schedule, they were eight and four on the year. Problem with that is, is the majority of the wins kind of came in the beginning of the season. They finished the season or I guess in the second half of the season, at one point, they lost four out of five. They did lose the Egg Bowl game against Mississippi State, which was unfortunately Coach Mike Leach's last game he was able to coach, um, but they, they did lose that game. The losses were close within a touchdown outside of the LSU and the Arkansas losses, which were pretty rough games for the team. The interesting thing was, you know, you're, they were able to play in Alabama pretty close, but then ended up getting, I won't say blown out, but beaten pretty handily by a, an Arkansas team, which is a little bit more physical. So, you, you know, you're seeing a little bit of different styles there. Alabama, not as physical as tr- traditionally, but Arkansas, it's what they're built on. Led by head coach Sam Pittman, who was a... uh former lineman himself that team is based on being tough and and they embody it but getting back to the Ole Miss Texas Tech um, they also don't have any major positions sitting out for the draft or in the transfer portal um, at this point in the bowl season so it's been pretty pretty kind to them Um, so we should get to see that Ole Miss offense functioning as they have for the majority of the season hoping so uh, i do enjoy watching that run game it's when that uh, when you've got an offensive line that is moving in sync i don't know if there's anything prettier than that except for when the running back makes the right read and in a giant play breaks out um you, you know that's that's the one thing that i noticed i'm trying to think what i was watching i can't remember what damn team it was but the other day um it's just the offensive line. Oh, the 49ers. That's who it was. Duh, dumbass. Um, it was just seeing the offensive line move in one swift motion, pulling the correct direction in his own scheme. Like this, just shit like that when you're watching it and you know a team knows what they want to do. It's it's really impressive. It's really just good football. Good football is fun to watch. His Nebraska fan I haven't had that in seems like 84 years, but what are you going to do? Let's go to the other side. Let's give Texas Tech their kudos, too, because Texas Tech, damn good team. Um, 7-5, and under a first-year head coach in Joey McGuire. Now, they didn't have the year TCU did, but most first-year head coaches don't have that kind of year. It's a little bit more of a freak occurrence than anything else. But, um, you know, first-year head coach uh, had a pretty rough middle part of the season. Um, one point losing four out of five. It's never a good thing. That is one thing these teams have in common, but here's the one thing that's missing. Texas tech finished the year strong by three straight wins. And they also beat Oklahoma. So beat, beat them in overtime I believe it was. So a uh, great victory there by Texas tech. It's a damn good one to put on the bedpost um seems like as the season went on for this team you really started to see things clicking which is good that's that's what you want uh you know you you want your first year head coach to grow into the position you want your team to grow into the position you want everyone to be able to buy into the same idea if you've got everyone bought into the same idea and moving in the same direction it's amazing how easy shit is and amazing how how some of the tough things aren't as tough. Um, it, it makes it a lot more feasible to be able to do a lot of these things. Um, it, it, Texas Tech traditionally has been able to put up points. This team is no difference. They're not putting up 70 points a game, but they're still able to score some points. And that defense, because McGuire is, McGuire is a, uh, a a tougher guy, um, that defense wants to punch you in the mouth. So, Tremendous what they've been able to do this year. It's going to be a great matchup of styles and temperaments between the coaches. Lane, a little bit more of a fiery guy. Uh, McGuire, a little bit more reserved, but almost like a random fiery when needed. So uh, I'm I'm excited to see this game. Um, Last game I'll break down for today will be Florida versus Oregon State. It's the SRS Distribution Las Vegas Bowl. Uh, This one's actually today at 2.30 p.m. This one's between Florida, Oregon State. I love bull season because I love seeing matchups that I traditionally don't get to see. Um, And this one is super interesting to me because of how these teams play. It's a matchup on conference between the SEC and the Pac-12. Usually we don't get to see these. Um, I want to see, does the physicality of the SEC take over Or is the Pac-12 able to match speed with speed? Is the Pac-12 able to counterpunch after the SEC throws a haymaker? Or vice versa at this point? Because you got to think Florida's not where they want to be at this time of year. Even under first-year coach Billy Napier, you got to think they're not exactly excited about where they're at. Um, So is, is Florida able to get up off the mat if Oregon State throws that first haymaker? Be really interesting, Um, but let's start off with who Florida does not have playing in this game. Pretty major list for the Gators. You've got quarterback Anthony Richardson, who is trending to be a high um, NFL pick. I've seen him on some um, mock drafts as high as I believe third or fourth in the draft which to me, I watched his physical tools this year, and, you know, you can't deny that the kid is talented. He is a fucking freak. Um, they don't grow Anthony Richardson's on trees. 6'4", I believe they said 250, runs a 4'5", can inferno, as a raw prospect, has every tool that you want. If he can sit for two years and learn from an NFL coach, he has an elite arm. He can make every throw. It's not Josh Allen elite. It's not even Patrick Mahomes elite. But, man, it's in the ballpark of, I could say a Jay Cutler. I think think, uh, uh, his arm is Cutler-esque. Cutler can make some throws that no one else could. I just think Mahomes and, and uh, Allen is absolutely elite. So he he's a freak athlete. Um, also on the line, All-American offensive guard Osiris Torrance, who had a damn fine year, uh, will be out. Leading tackler Ventrell Miller and their number two receiver, Justin Shorter. So you've got a ton of production for Florida not playing. Doesn't mean it's it's an excuse when you lose the game. Hey, we didn't have this guy, this guy, this guy. Most teams are having guys sit out this time of year, so you got to figure that out. But head coach Billy Napier has named quarterback transfer from Ohio State, I believe, um, Jack Miller the third as the starting quarterback. So this is the first time we're going to see him get some extensive extensive gameplay time for the first time this year. Um, it's going to be a tough start for him. He's, he's played in a couple games this year, but no real extensive time like he's going to get today. It's his first start, once again. Um, It's going to be really interesting to see, obviously being in the Big Ten and then going to the SEC. Physicality is kind of what he's used to seeing. But Oregon, coming from the Pac-12 this year, led by um, defensive coordinator Trent Bray, a lot of Nebraska fans might recognize that name. I believe he was a linebacker coach under uh, Bo Planey. Um, he's, uh, he's a guy that his career has really blossomed. And he's done some great things under, you know, uh, Jonathan Smith up there at Oregon State. They flat out fucking hit. that. Florida is going to feel like they're in an SEC game today, I feel like. Just with the way Oregon hits and the way Oregon plays the game. Now, Oregon, like I said, is a physical, Oregon State is a physical team. They've got an offensive line that just wants to flat out move guys. Now, they're going to have some big boys moving at Florida. That defensive line is big. So they're going to have to move some guys that maybe they're not so used to seeing guys that size. When they do move, guys, Daniel Martinez, a freshman running back, can hit the hole and just go. Impressive how he's able to run the ball, and, and Oregon State in general. Just with how physical they are, it's it's a, it's a pretty to watch. But one big concern I do have is, do, does Oregon State trust Ben Goldbranson to throw the ball, or are they going to do what they did against Oregon and just ground and pound it? The entire second half. I don't know if he threw the ball more than two times in the second half against Oregon. And they still won the game. So, it's a style matchup. I'm excited for it. But let's go on to the transfer portal now. I got thoughts. I got a lot of thoughts on the transfer portal. So, I wrote them down for once in my life. Here's my list you're going to win some you lose some don't bash a kid because they didn't pick a school you cheer for should be common sense we should be all adults i don't think either one of those things are true there's people out there that uh have the age of an adult but not the maturity so don't do that if you want to be positive great don't be a dick you could apply that to numerous things in life. don't be a dick um i look at everything at the portal like this if a head coach can move around year to year. Even though they're under, they are under a contract, why can't an athlete? There's plenty of people I'm not going to agree with on, on this, and that's fine. We don't have to have the debate either because neither one of us is going to move our sides on it. So that's my thoughts on that one. Um, poaching is now a thing. Poaching has been a thing. Even with the portal and NIL... Do we really think it wasn't going on before? It's been going on the entire time. It's common sense, guys. But it's it's been going on back in the days when there were hundred dollar handshakes and mom and dad had brand new cars pop up at their house from a certain lot in a certain you know town because a guy had just signed. It it's always happened. It'll continue to happen. Good luck proving it. That will not happen unless you've got a dumbass that just gets caught was hand in the McDonald's bag. Um, Parody is a thing in college football. NIL and the transfer portal are the big thing right now. But, and and I will say they will be for the next probably four to five seasons. But it's parody. It's going to come. It's going to go. Now, while it's the Wild West right now, and you'll see guys that are going to continue to get paid. NIL will not go away. Transfer portal will not go away. I don't think the NCAA should do anything to regulate it either. NCAA, the NCAA has fucked up everything they've put their dirty little fingers on. So why do I want them to watch, to fuck up an athlete getting paid? I don't. Keep your nose out of it. You don't want anything to do with it. Keep out of it businesses will eventually regulate this out is what I'm getting at. Um, you're going to see businesses that just don't pay or won't pay athletes. And I don't mean they will, won't be in a contractual agreement. I think if they are in one, they'll pay it. But you're going to see businesses start to pull back out of the NIL market for the most part because they're not advertising anything it, the, the true nature of Nil is to pay an athlete to represent a brand name image and likeness what we're doing right now is we're just paying players to play and I'm fine with that too I don't give a shit um cool, but I think the true nature of it will eventually come to the surface where athletes are either going to represent a brand to get paid instead of just getting paid um but once again it's gonna be parody it's gonna be like this you're gonna see guys getting You know, paid yearly and then signing bonuses and shit like that is what it is. I keep my hand out of other people's pockets. I don't give a fuck. Get paid. This is one of the few times in life that if someone's going to write you a six-figure paycheck, you're going to tell me you're not going to take it? I didn't think so. You're going to take it. Next thought on Transfer Portal. Winning cures a lot of things, but it doesn't change. It doesn't change everything. But it makes a lot of environments a lot more comfortable to be in. What I'm saying is even schools like Alabama and Georgia have kids transfer away. So winning doesn't cure everything. Just makes these surroundings a little bit more comfortable to be in because it's not negative. You know, these kids still want to play the game. Regardless that they got recruited by Alabama, USC, Texas, Nebraska. Rhode Island, I don't give a fuck who. These kids still want to play the game. They still want to get to the next level if there's a next level available. So I cannot get mad at someone transferring because they think there's a better move out there or puts them in a better position to be successful or to get to wherever they want to get to in life. If there's a guy that wants to get to the NFL and he's at Cheeseburger Tech And they've never put anyone in the NFL. Why why would I stay there if Alabama comes calling and says, hey, we think you're a pretty good linebacker. We'd like you to come here. I mean, it's a no-brainer. Pull your head out of your ass. I'm going to Alabama 10 times out of 10. There's not even a second chance. If that makes me not loyal, perfect. I'm a not loyal son of a bitch. Don't care. Loyalty is only as true as the surroundings that you're in. Um, last thought, and then I'll actually get into the portal. As far as paying college athletes, I'm cool with it. If it helps my team win because the team I cheer for is paying athletes, here you go. Take more of my money. Take more of it. Don't care. Pandora's box has been opened with NIL, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing either. Um, I think it gives power back to the athletes, which is where it should be now i don't think it should be 100 percent athletes i don't think it i don't think it should be even 50 percent to the uh institution should i believe 70 30 60 40 i think power should be with the athletes because let's not forget without these athletes these institutions aren't bringing in this money so i get it's chicken or egg but the guys out on the field are the ones breaking the money so And people complain it's not what it used to be. College football used to be for the love of the game and tradition, so important. Good. I'm glad the game is evolving, and I'm even happier that athletes are getting paid. Loyalty is loyalty is not a thing here. We're talking about if if we're talking about getting paid, let's take emotion out of it, because that's making an emotional decision. Think logically. If it's a payday, get the bag. More on the transfer portal. Uh, There's a team that is making out like a bandit right now, and it's Michigan. Michigan is retooling again um, in the transfer portal. They are going to get a second impact lineman, but what they've done by identifying talent and getting guys that fit their system and guys that they want on that team uh, they've done a great job with identifying it. Uh, Nebraska, former Nebraska linebacker Ernest Hausman, who quickly here I'm gonna talk about Ernest before I get into this the second player. We had Ernest on the uh, podcast last or you know earlier this year, and he is just a goddamn phenomenal kid. Just could not be. Um, he, he's a pretty soft-spoken guy, but man, he just he just a smart, intelligent kid that you'll love to talk to. He's so easily relatable. And, you know, he, he's a kid that you want to succeed. And i see seen that there's a lot of Nebraska fans out there that, you know, said, yeah, you know, he wants, to, you know, once you're gone, you're gone. That's, that's fine. I, I, I don't tell people how to fan. I don't give a fuck. Um, I'm one, I'm one that's going to be cheering for Ernest except for the game against Nebraska. Um, and I just hope he misses a tackle or two against Nebraska. That happens to give up a big touchdown. No, no offense, Ernest. Uh, I hope every other game, though, he, he he balls out. He's a guy that's got an NFL future. He went to a defense that's been pretty known for putting guys in the league. Can't be mad at him. He made a good decision. Sometimes you don't want to be in a losing environment anymore. Um. Sometimes you want to be in a winning environment, and sometimes a change of scenery is the only way to do it. Let's not forget the only the people that recruited him here were no longer here. Some guys, once that relationship's gone, it's it's gone. Um, I did hear from a few people that Ernest wanted to go up to Michigan anyway coming out of high school during the COVID season. Wasn't able to take a visit, so that's kind of where it ended up where it is. Um, he balled out for Nebraska and had a great year as, as, as the mental side and the physical side started to match up, you could really see him blossom. I could see him pushing this season for, um, a lot of snaps, uh, same with Ladarius Henderson, who was a starter for Arizona state. So Michigan getting two starters from power five programs come in at, at positions where at linebacker and line where it's, it's always good to have some good bodies there. I honestly expect both to contribute either immediately as starters, or heavily in a rotation. But I think these guys are going to make an immediate impact. Michigan is pretty firmly establishing the, themselves as the bully of the Big Ten, and they're doing even—they're doing that on a high-high clip by even adding more talent that fits what they want to do. Super impressive what Michigan's done. Let's talk about one of the biggest losers in the uh, in the transfer portal. Texas a m What 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 you doing? What 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 the fuck, Texas a and I mean, this is a so if someone wants to argue why NIL isn't a good thing, Texas A&M would be a great case study because what you've got is you just drew money at players. And I won't say they didn't fit a scheme, but Jimbo Fisher did what Scott Frost did. He star chased. I can get a five-star. I can get another five-star. Let's put them together and let's see what happens. Hopefully this shit works. Well, a lot of times it doesn't work. Jimbo is the kind of guy that is going to take what he's got in front of him and move it just from A to B. He's not going to make it any better than it was. He's going to keep it pretty much on par. Um, If you've got an established player, he's going to keep him as an established player. He's not going to take him to a superstar level. If you've got a guy that needs development, well, he's still going to need development by the time Jimbo's done with him. They got about what they were going to get um, out of Jimbo. I don't believe he's a great coach. I think his Florida State National Championship was a little bit more of a fluke than anything. Um, I believe the payroll for this class was no small number. I thought it was eight digits from from what I had heard, um, which is insanity. I, I get college football is, is going to be that, but... Um, they were the first team I think ever ranked in the top 10 to finish the season 4 and 8 I think that was the stat that I had seen on ESPN that's impressive um it I I get it though why kids went there for a year if they're going to pay what they were paying why wouldn't you you got to be in Texas for a year SEC school um I think a lot of those guys are going to have to go to strong locker rooms at their next stops. Some of them uh, arrested for, you know, things like smoking weed in the locker room. I'm cool with smoking weed. Do your thing. Just not in the locker room. Come on, be better. So those are my thoughts on the transfer portal. Uh, I'm going to finish up with some coaching hires. Uh, I I picked three this week that I think are damn good. I didn't put a letter grade on them. I probably could by the end of the. By the end of the diatribe, I wrote on him. So let's start off with one of my favorite coaches. And I know a lot of people really wanted this guy in Nebraska a couple years back. Um, it was Jamie Chadwell uh, from Coastal Carolina. I was kind of shocked when I heard that he went to Liberty. Um, it is a step up. But, man, he had a good thing going at Coastal. So... I got my first taste of uh coastal carolina during the pandemic. That was when uh football got canceled or was getting canceled um and somehow we got we got a lot of sunbelt football which was beautiful. It it took it took um it took Chadwell a little bit to get that his it, it's an option spread offense that can throw the ball and they threw it at it. They threw it pretty well, Uh, but it's, they, they heavily run based, which great. Give me that every day of the week. It it took them a little bit to get that system rolling down there in South Carolina. But once they got McCall in a groove and had that system going, they went 31 and six in the past three seasons. That's phenomenal. Easiest way to say that is phenomenal. Um, you know, they are going, Chad was taking a step up in competition by going to Liberty, um, stepping into a system that's, it's going to be, um, it's going to be different than what he's, he's running at Coastal. But the mark of a good coach is, are you able to mesh your current offense with what you want to, what you want to do? He's not going to be able to go full option, which is fine because I feel like Chad Wall's a guy that, can augment the system to be able to be a little bit more vertical. I think that's what they're going to have to do. Um, But that could also be the next step in the evolution of that offense. Taking it from from more of a spread option to more of a triple option offense. Triple option can mean a lot of different things. It's not, I'm not talking about lining lining up in a flex bone like the uh, service academies do. I'm just talking about a little bit more spread option. You know, fake the run pass outside we see a lot of it nowadays so it's pretty common um but you know coastal is replacing Chadwell with former north carolina state offense coordinator and i believe nebraska offense coordinator years ago tim beck you know gonna be a big switch there as well but I, i'm interested to see what beck does he's had a few stops over the years and been pretty successful you know going to back to liberty freeze definitely didn't leave the cupboard bare for chadwell and i think liberty has to be feeling really good about the hire number one because they got rid of freeze who could win football games but wasn't an a-plus human being um to one of the more likable guys in college football with with chadwell none of the previous baggage to me feels like a slam dunk hire Uh, Next one, Kenny Dillingham is going to go from the offensive coordinator at Oregon, and he's going to be staying in the Pac-12 by becoming a Sun Devil down at Arizona State University. So after Herm Edwards' experiment, after that experiment failed pretty spectacularly, the Sun Devils went the coordinator route this, this time. Kenny Dillingham is... From the Phoenix area, uh, he was a quarterback coach previously in high school uh, from 07 to 12, and the offense coordinator quarterback coach in 14-15 for Arizona State. So he's got a lot of experience being down in the area. Um, probably made some good connections at his time, recruiting down there. And, you know, to go on his experience, he was also the quarterback coach for Memphis back in 2018, offensive, uh, the Auburn Offense coordinator in nineteen, and then the offense coordinator, quarterback coach for Florida State for two years in twenty twenty one. Pretty young guy, but experienced with what he was able to do um, in his young time. It was great what he was able to do by turning Bo Mix, Bo Nix, from his from what he was, which was a pretty incomplete guy at Auburn, to a pretty complete quarterback at Oregon. Did some really good things. Finally looked like a five star quarterback. Last guy I'll break down tom herman so he's a guy that's going from being an analyst to being a head coach again uh he's a head coach at florida atlantic university he, let's not forget he's a pretty accomplished coach you know he's a former Broyles winner uh he turned houston into a top 10 program and they were one of the most exciting programs to watch when they had d eric king there down there He took Texas also to a 32-18 and record, and he was 4-0 in bowl games. His ability to recruit guys has never been the problem. It's just, it seems like expectations have been Tom Herman's biggest enemy at this point. Um, You know, he's he's taken over for Willie Fritz at FAU, and I think... think he's he's going to do some really good things down there with the pro with that program it's in florida you've got talent in your backyard he's he's a pretty good offensive mind um and you know he's stepping into florida atlantic which is in the sun belt historically the sun belt has been a pretty pretty good offensive conference So I think he should fit right in. I I really do think that Florida Atlantic is going to bounce back under Herman. And I think they're going to look good. Um, I'm excited to see what some of these programs do, Um, especially like Liberty. That's one I want to keep an eye on. You know, Arizona State, they've got their their problems with the NCAA coming down the pike. So they're really going to have to figure that out. And you've got an inexperienced head coach there. So what he's able to surround himself with and actually what comes out in the investigation, I think will play a big part in his tenure. And like I said, Tom Herman at Florida Atlantic, it's a little bit off the radar, but I think that'll be a good thing for him. Um, Great first step into rebuilding the career after Texas, which once again, I'm kind of shocked. He didn't get a head coaching job before this one. I think a little bit of time away will have done Tom Herman some good. Um, Some of his antics weren't the best but the guy could recruit, the guy won, the guy won in bowl games, just didn't necessarily have Texas where they wanted to be. Texas still isn't necessarily where they want to be. So, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see what some of these young coaches do, but um, we're going to go ahead and we're going to go ahead and cut this bad boy. Uh, thanks for joining me today, everybody. Again, um, We'll do this every Saturday and then. We have uh, tomorrow Ativa Mauga Clemens, uh, the linebacker from Nebraska, will be joining us. So we'll get that going tomorrow. Uh, be sure to join us. Thanks again, everybody. Have a great day. We'll talk to you later. Members of the congregation, let's raise our Kool Aid filled glasses and drink to all the things that were, are, and forever will be Nebraska Cornhuskers. Go big! Red.